Thank you for joining for this episode of the Techspective podcast. Uh, my guest for this episode is Raj Samani. So Raj, if you want to give a little bit of uh, background on yourself and where you're at now. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, so m my name is Raj Samani and I am the chief scientist here at Rapid7. Up until I think a few months back, I was uh, chief scientist at McAfee, which was Intel Security, McAfee, McAfee Enterprise, Trellix, and then, yeah, that's what it is now. Anyway, so that's what I did before. I'm also a special advisor at the European Cybercrime Center, co-founder for No More Ransom, written a bunch of books, done a bunch of tweets, and written a bunch of articles as well in the meantime. So that's me. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've, you know, you, you've been on the podcast before. I've followed you for some time. Um, you know, I do, I do consider you to be, you know, you're, you're on my list of, uh, in, you know, my, my influencers list and, and, <laughs> and social media. So you're, you're one of the people I, uh, I, I, I follow and, and, and look for, uh, you know, what's going on in the world. You're very um, kind. Thank you. You know, one of the things, um, you know that that I think you know was interesting about that. You know, you just, you just ran through the the kind of history of McAfee, but you know, I, I when I started in cybersecurity, when I was on the in in the trenches side of cybersecurity, um, I was I was at EDS. Uh, we were doing security for General Motors. I was invited to you know join the security team, and 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 our whole function was doing basically managed antivirus i mean we you know we we were we were ahead of the curve we were doing managed antivirus before it was cool um but we we started off just doing it for general motors and they were running mcafee um and then we actually expanded it and said you know we had we had mcafee semantic trend micro and ca were the four that we dealt with uh, depending on you know who the client was and and you know because we did American Airlines we did Marathon Oil, and uh, and the way we had things set up is we I mean we had a relatively small team of people but we were you know managing antivirus for you know hundred thousand plus endpoints you know across these clients, um, but we just had you know basically we had subject matter experts who were focused on really knowing McAfee inside and out and others who just really knew semantic inside and out and then. You know, everyone was kind of like cross-trained to at least oversee all of the platforms, but um, you know, but all of, all that say that it's interesting to me to see today where you know semantic, you know, it isn't quite the uh, juggernaut that it once was. You know, now it's just kind of a, a, a you know one one facet of Broadcom um, and McAfee. You know, has gone through all these iterations, and you know, I, I mean, I, on on the one hand, I can say, well, you know, and, and it doesn't even exist anymore because now it's Trellix. But I mean, it you know, it's just an evol it's just another evolution. But um, but yeah, it's just kind of interesting to me that you know, I I got my start with McAfee and Semantic as like those were the things, um, and and you know, now they're kind of like you know, almost bit players. But 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 I think if you look at how the industry has changed. I think in, in many ways it's had to adapt and evolve because, you know, certainly when I started in my career and, you know, probably around, around about the same time as you, which was, well, actually having an antivirus, having a firewall from Checkpoint and, and maybe having an IDS system was all you needed. Actually, sorry, you probably needed an anti-spam solution, but, but effectively 
you really needed four products and it was a fire and forget you just you just you know set up your firewall rules you 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 deploy your antivirus and that was it that that should keep you safe against most of the threats today actually it's certainly more complicated than that because if we look at how you know criminals are basically breaking into companies if we look at you know, like for example, there was the, the the Cisco case this morning. I mean, that that's not an antivirus play. That's not an IDS play. So actually, the industry's had to shape and evolve because there are so many more entry points into an environment. And like, if I just look at my mobile device, for example, like I, I've got like 20 ways that you can communicate with me <laughs> just on my mobile device. And my mobile device is also being used to unlock my car, by the way. So actually, I think it's had to adapt and I think it's had to evolve. And I think, you know, I, I kind of look back to those days where security for me back in the old days was switching off the modem because of PC Anywhere. You know, because we used to have PC Anywhere on, on modems and we used to be like, well, okay, if we switch off PC Anywhere, the modems on people's desks, then actually people couldn't like break into the company in the past. So I think it's had to adapt and evolve. And actually what I've realized is I've just told your whole audience exactly how old I am, which is which is also quite embarrassing as well. Well, I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, and what, one of the things that's occurred to me recently is, uh, and actually I need to develop some content around this, but uh, the notion of best practices, like we talk all the time about best practices and, you know, and say, you know, you know, these are the security best practices and, and security best practices, like you, like you just said, it would, it would basically dictate that the table stakes are you must have antivirus and we'll, we'll we'll call that endpoint protection now you have you have to have antivirus you have to have a firewall you have to have you know an ids like though and the thing is like you just talked about the attack surface has exponentially expanded the threat landscape has exponentially expanded those things i'm not i'm not saying they're completely useless but they're no longer sufficient um and and I would I would actually step back and question like are those actually still elements of best practices like I think I think my main point is that I feel like best pra we 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 get stuck on like defining best practices based on a moment in time and then everyone just keeps doing that so then you know as you as you you come into a you know you start a new company and you say okay well the best practices are and you look them up and you say well i need an endpoint protection a firewall and an ids and it's like okay well yeah 15 years ago but you know things have changed um there's a lot of other stuff around so i think when when you look at best practices that uh you know that needs to be more of a living breathing you know what are the best practices right now as opposed to being something that uh you know kind of comes becomes a checkbox like well you know i i did the best practices i you know it, it, it said i needed to do these things and i did them so i guess i'm good now well and, and I, well actually how we now consume technology has fundamentally changed because they, you know, it used to be you know, desktop PCs, it used to be servers and mainframes and you used to go into the office and that was it. You, you you had this kind of network inside the office and that was it. You'd go home and you'd actually have an evening and you'd watch television and and you'd go to work the next day and you'd, you'd start all over again. But now actually 
how we consume data, how we connect to the office, how like it, it's just it's changed and not only over the last 20 years, but if we think about what's happened over the last three to four years, I remember, I think it was 2019 January and we did a scan of uh, how many open RDP systems were there on the internet and I think it was, I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but it was like 1.5 million open RDP systems and then we checked in March just as the pandemic was beginning to take hold and actually was about, I think it was over double that because fundamentally the way that we were consuming technology, the way that we were connecting and we were getting online had to change because people weren't physically going in and so this notion of, well, this is best practice, this is what you've got to have. I, I don't know. I, 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 I can't imagine a world in which nobody needs AV, but here we are talking about it. I think, well, it, the thing is, I think that, that that in itself has evolved. I mean, it was, it was antivirus, then it was next-gen antivirus, then it's endpoint protection, then it's EDR, then it's XDR, and so, you know, I can I can look at an environment and, and someone can go, oh, well, we don't have antivirus. We have XDR. I'm like, OK, I mean, it's it's it, it, it's you're you're it, it's the same thing. It's just, just as we're talking about the, you know, the attack surface and the threat landscape evolved, antivirus also had to evolve. To at least become more of an EDR solution, if not if not an XDR, in my opinion, like, you know, because it's not at, at this point in time you're not just it's not just viruses you know and it's not yeah. you know you, you, it's, it's not just a matter of oh well do you have you know have have you applied the latest uh, you know signature file update from this morning um you know and can you can you you know protect against these viruses now it's you know ransomware and it, it, it there's a lot fileless uh you know uh, attacks and, and there's a lot of, of different different threats um that you're facing that you need to pr protect the endpoint from. Yeah, well, look, there is a, there is an element of there is a lot of. I want to be careful here, but there is a lot of marketing hype around new acronyms that are supposed to save the day. Like, you know, they say there's no such thing as a silver bullet. Well, I'd say there is there are silver bullet, but not every threat's a werewolf. And in other words, what I mean by that is, hey, look, whether we like it or not, you're still going to need some sort of basic signature based protection because guess what a lot of the threats out there are just crap that we already know about i mean what, what wasn't it wasn't it checkpoint you do the um the most prevalent threats in the wild and i think for two years running it was um oh, it was like 2008 and 2009 malware like stuff that we've known about for like a, over a decade and that stuff is still out there and guess what if you have a relatively cheap and inexpensive way of filtering that out of your environment, then absolutely do it. Right. So, like now, is it going to be able to determine that the that the that the I don't know that the Mimikatz instance in your environment is likely to be malicious because it's correlated to to an initial entry vector that corresponds to what the dark matter ransomware group are doing? Well, no, absolutely not. But but if we if we if we kind of think, hey, look, we're just going to do away with these old technologies because we've got something new and cooler. I think that's a mistake. And, you know, unfortunately, when you go to events like like Black Hat and, and DEF CON and RSA, when you walk around the show floor, you kind of get this impression that, oh, OK, all I need is next gen or machine learning. Why? But the reality is, is a lot of these systems still depend upon 
like the, the cheapest way to be able to filter out the well, stuff. Yeah, that right, yeah, right. I, I I agree with you from the standpoint of you know yeah you, I'm, I'm not I'm not like shutting down my firewall I'm not shutting down you know like I you know those those things they still have value and and I think to, to I, I think the you know kind of the point that you're making is all of those previous threats are still out there circulating on the internet somewhere like you know the things that we were fighting in 2008 are still out there um and if you have at least you know basic antivirus and you've got your firewall that at the very least you should be able to hopefully prevent you know block that 90 95 percent of the crap that's out there and then it's you know then it's okay well now i need more sophisticated, more advanced tools for this other five percent, you know, and for these these you know you know APT threats and and you know other things like that. I guess you know, so. I, I guess I have two points. One is I would say I you know that I do think you know like and and endpoint protection you know and to to EDR or whatever like that evolution I think is is just a an evolution of the same thing. Just like I feel like you know zero trust is great but you know it, it's it's just it, it's an evolution of least privilege access it's just a, it's just a different way we're looking at it um where where what i think about antivirus though is it becomes less of something i want to invest in per se like if i'm if i'm the you know CISO and i'm in charge of i'll be like you know what windows defender is fine like I don't need to buy something else to run on t like the 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 base the the base antivirus that's part of Windows will cover that aspect for me. But that's the problem I have with this industry. Like like you've I, I'm sorry. It, it sounds like I'm attacking you, and it's not meant to, right? That's but, fine. It's fine. Go for it. Fundamentally, you've just crystallized the thing that drives me nuts about our industry, which is. We make the assertion that there is a commoditization with regards to the acronyms that we leverage and utilize. The construct that EPP between A provider A, provider B, provider C is the same, I think is, is madness. Now, absolutely, the, the engine, the, 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 the DAT files, the performance, the Q, like, like so there is a level of commoditization there. But the one thing that you can't commoditize is the intelligence that goes into it, because look, whether you're a EASM provider, a CASM provider, a CASB provider, um, let's throw some more acronyms at me, but like regardless of which acronym you're using, XDR, EDR, whatever, the fundamental thing you want from your, your, your vendor is, can you protect me? And the intelligence that goes into that product, the efficacy that they have, and the perception of that efficacy isn't something that can ever be commoditized. And part of the challenges that we, 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 we have is, there is this misconception that you kind of go, well, hey, look, um, EPP is not particularly valuable to me. I'll just go out and get, you know, this because it's free. Well, look, there is no such thing as free, but equally, how can you be sure that actually it's going to provide you the efficacy that you require? Now, that doesn't mean I'm saying what Microsoft and Defender does doesn't have the efficacy, but I'm just saying to just make the assertion that I'm going to go for this just because of cost, I think defines everything that is wrong with the industry because you'll have like procurement divisions going, well, we've got a Microsoft license that was the E5 license. We've got that, so why don't we just go with this because it's free? Well, okay, but rather than focusing on whether the cost is right, why don't we look at, hey, does it actually fulfill the, the efficacy requirements that I have for my business? 
absolutely. If it does, fantastic. Then actually you've saved yourself a ton of money. But if it doesn't, at least do the due diligence to verify that. Because if you don't and you're pulled up in front of Congress and you just go, well, we went with it because it was free. For me as a data, as a data subject, that's not a good enough excuse. Right. So anyway, I apologize if it seems like I'm attacking you. And, and, and I have to say, too, that my as you were talking, I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit removed from trying to manage that kind of stuff at, at an enterprise level. I mean, that's not my day to day function. I'm thinking more in line, uh, you know, I, that my statement was more from the consumer perspective that, that, you know, I sitting here in my home office do not have additional endpoint protection installed. You know, because I'm like, it's fine. What, what you know, it, it it's it's not significantly different if I spent money, you know, it, to to me. But at an enterprise level, I, you know, there there are things where it's like, well, no, because you need to be able to, you know, you need the oversight, you need to be able to manage it, at, you know, at, at a, like you know, from a GPO level and those things. And the thing you touched on is, you know, I I've actually hit on, I don't know, three or four times on this podcast and in things I've written, which is that, you know, I do fundamentally have an issue with. And not not to you know just pick on Microsoft, but the, but the E5 license and and the concept of they're bundling things and 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 you know there is some value to that for for yeah. some customers to say look you know I I need these things you've put them all together in this one license great now I now I have these things but when they throw in and they say okay well we're also giving you you know this security tool we're also giving you this security tool those are not necessarily the best tools um, for you, but if you are the, you know, CTO or or, or whatever, and and uh, if you're trying to make the case, and you you know, so you go to your company and you say, hey, I want to buy this XDR solution, or I want to get this EDR solution, or I want to get the, you know whatever it is you're trying to 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 get budget for. The board, the CFO, people will push back and say, "Well, why would we do that? We already have one. Like, why would I? Why would I allocate additional budget? I'm already paying Microsoft for the C5 license. They've already given us one. And now you have to try to make the case for, you know, okay, well, that's not as good as this one that I want to use. Um, you know, let's spend more money. You know, so uh, yeah, I, I don't really like that bundling. And I, you know, and, and I mean that that's a whole separate conversation that we could go into because i mean there, it, it has been cyclical because i remember when you know to go back to you know what we started talking about when i started off working in in the trenches and we were using mcafee and semantic you know in the beginning it was just mcafee antivirus it was semantic antivirus um but then it became mcafee epo and now we're throwing in all these things you know we're, we're going to add features and and and, and uh, other elements to that and you know, and that's always been a debate in the industry because people are like, "All right, well, wait. Do you want, do you want things to be bundled so that you have all of your security from this one vendor, and you've got one console, one tool you can look at? It. You know, it's like, okay, well, now all your eggs are in that one basket, as well. You know, so there's 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 pros and cons, and 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 it and it over the you know twenty plus years that I've been in the industry and following it, I I do feel like it's kind of gone back and forth you know like there there's there's a trend of kind of consolidating everything into one tool and one platform and just dealing with one vendor and then at some point there's a backlash and everyone says you know what no i want the best of this and the best of this and the best of this and i'm, I'm going to use seven different vendors 
Well, and, and it's funny, you, you mentioned how we go back and forth, but I remember, wasn't it 2003, we had the Jericho Forum? And we talked about, you know, like like eliminating the networks and, you know, and so and now we're talking about zero trust. And so we are an industry that kind of goes back and forth. But look, I, I still think the principles apply whether regardless of the vendor you choose, you know, and, and maybe I show my naivety here, but I would love to have a scenario in which the best solutions are chosen based upon their capability, functionality and ability to be able to protect the assets that an organization has identified. That to me should be the overriding principle by which any technology decision is made. And yes, there is a sense of naivety to it because procurement will come back and say, well, yeah, but this is, look, that's great. You know, you can, you, you know, let us focus on the security aspects of it, working with the business to make sure that we, we protect what's required. But ultimately that's, that to me is 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 the fundamental of our industry. It's about being able to have the appropriate levels of controls to protect the assets that we've identified. And if we deviate and move away from that because of other things, then I think we start to have a scenario in which we have today where organizations are getting popped with relative ease, where you know, when companies have passwords of welcome one, two, three on their external RDP interfaces and get compromised by not to digress too far, but isn't that <laughs> a little mind blowing that like, you know, it seems like every like pretty much every year someone comes out with a report of, you know, these are the top passwords and the top passwords every year are one, two, three, four, five and, you know, password. And we have been beating that drum as an industry. We have been, you know, drilling this into people's heads for since the dawn of the internet, you know, for a decade plus saying you need strong passwords, you have to use, you know, complex passwords, don't name your password after your dog, you know, like, you know, and, and yet that's still a thing. And, you know, and I, I will say too, that like, I now do use a, like a password management tool. I, I've actually had I used a, a couple different ones. Um, but my, my general advice and, and the way I did things was always have different passwords for the things that matter. But then I would have like one throwaway password that I would use across all the things that I didn't give a shit about, you know, because I was, I was like, I don't need to have a unique password every single time I visit a website and they ask me to like fill out something just to just to access the site. I'm like, I don't really care if anyone breaks into that, um, you know, and, and I don't want to try to remember 75 different passwords. Um, you know, so that I can get into, you know, petsmart.com or whatever, you know, it's like, I don't care. Um, but you know, obviously my bank, my credit cards, you know, things like that. I do want, you know, unique, complex passwords, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's still a challenge and, 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 you know, I, so let's tie that in, let's tie that into the evolution of security because now there's a, there's a big push transmit security, uh, it, you know, is trying to push, you know, getting rid of the password. Um, you know, Microsoft recently had, you know, an, an initiative to try to get rid of the password, at least on Microsoft related things, you know, so it's like, you know, you, there, there is a move to, to eliminate the password. It's just, you know, that is, I guess, somewhat easier said than done. Well, 
I mean, I remember, like when I started in, in the industry, it was all about, well, we're going to eliminate passwords. It's all going to be single sign-on. Federated identity will be the future. I mean, I think I have like 10 times the number of passwords I do today than I did then. So look, I, I don't think you'll ever get rid of passwords. Like, like, let's just, let me put it out there. I, I'm not one, I'm not very good at predicting things. I mean, I've never won the lottery in my life. So, you know, there's evidence of that. But, but the reality is, is we're always going to need passwords. We're always, I mean, I, I like what the FIDO team came out with, where they came up and they said, well, look, you know, we will implement the level of authentication based upon the context and the value of the service that you require. So in other words, you know, I don't need to have a password to log into my eBay account in order to be able to watch specific items. But if I want to make a purchase, then guess what? The level of authentication goes up. And I think that to me is a probably a more viable approach with regards to how we authenticate ourselves for the future. Because, you know, the, the, the reality is, is that the types of systems and assets, like, I mean, like you said, do I need a password to log into PetSmart? Well, if it's not got my credit card details, if I've not got my, my, my home address and it's just used to track the number of points I have, you know, I'm actually fairly okay with, with maybe not having a password for that, right? So, but again, the, 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 the company that sets it up will then set up a, a mechanism by, by which you've got to do that. Um, like, for example, me logging onto this, this Teams call today, took me 14 minutes because the various different Office 365 accounts were clashing with each other. And that, that was just like, well, all I need to do is talk to Tony. So I, I think the, the, the thing we miss in this industry, and we, we miss it all of the time, by the way, is this construct of context. We consider, we consider every single alert to be the same value, but they're not. We consider every single event, every single incident to be the, the right same level of context. Likewise, every single system that we use, it's determined to have the same level of context because I have a password to buy stuff on eBay and I have a password to be able to, I don't know, log into my PetSmart account. And and, 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 and the industry isn't binary. It's not binary. There's, there's so much in between and, and we've got to find ways to integrate context into the decisions so that we can make better decisions. And like, anyway, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox, but that's my rant. Good soapbox. Um, I, uh, you know, it, you you know, uh, and probably most people know, but you know, I was formerly at Cyber Reason, uh, and I was part of the reduction in force back in June. Um, fortunately, uh, what I found was there are a lot of startups, and and it actually like even though even though there are companies Cyber Reason and Lacework, and you know, there 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 are certainly companies that laid off a bunch of people, and they've gone into austerity mode because you know the 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 economy and the market isn't what they want it to be. But there are that you know there are there seem to be exponentially more that are aggressively investing and growing or whatever. And so I ended up joining um, Epiphany Systems, and it's a you know relatively small young startup, but everything you just talked about is is really the focus of what Epiphany Systems does, which is to look at all of the all of the data that's coming from the various tools you have, whether it's you know CrowdStrike, Rapid7, Tenable, Active Directory, like just pulling all of that in, but then trying to analyze that at another layer and say, okay, well, you know, the perspective is you don't necessarily have to patch every vulnerability. You can, you know, you could just look at, well, what are the uh, exploitable vulnerabilities and then you say well you don't even have to patch all those what are the ones that are being actively exploited 
And you say, well, wait, you don't even have to patch all of those. What are the ones that are being actively exploited that would actually lead to a material impact you care about? Like, exactly. just start there because you yeah. might have 10,000 vulnerabilities, but maybe only 75 of them <laughs> are things that would actually lead to a critical server. Uh, absolutely. And, and and that's the thing. Like, I, you know, sometimes you'll see disclosures about zero day vulnerabilities and you're kind of like, yeah, well, to exploit this, you need to be, you know, reciting the French national anthem backwards, standing on one leg as you hop up and down on a pogo stick. And you're like, well, come on, the likelihood of exploitation is, is, is fairly minimal. Or likewise, we've seen ones with incredibly crazy CVE numbers where, you know, it's like a like 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 a ten, but you then you're like, well, but it's not being actively exploited. So maybe you know, and so I think that's what I mean. The we we we, we assume everything's binary. We assume because it's a nine point six, actually we've got to patch it immediately. Maybe we don't. Maybe what we can do is we can maybe we can tolerate the risk just for a little bit longer, and that that's the point, right, of our industry. Uh, the point of our industry is to help and enable the business to be successful. But and, and understanding the context allows us to, to introduce this sense of pragmatism, which we don't really, I, I think I'm seeing more pragmatism today because quite frankly, the number of critical vulns, major campaigns, major scare stories about ransomware over the last two years has just been frightening. Like it is utterly frightening. I remember, you know, I remember going on holiday when Heartbleed broke and it was like, I think one of the first. And now the kind of major critical vulns, it seems like almost monthly. So we've got to we've got to be more pragmatic with regards to how we consider security, because, you know, the boy that cried wolf, like eventually the villagers stopped listening to him. Well, another element of security that has certainly escalated in the past couple of years and continues to, to be, you know, one of the most, if not the most prevalent threat is ransomware. So this goes back to your, you know, the no more ransomware initiative and and, and those things. But it 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 fundamentally changes the dynamic of of security because when ransomware you know, first you know kind of showed up as a concept, it was just a it was just a virus. I mean, it was just a different malware exploit that you know happen to encrypt your data and 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 ask for a ransom but that has evolved i mean you know to, to the, the ransomware that we have today is different than the ransomware we had five years ago um and where we're at now there is no there is no good like one once you're once you're once the ransomware exploit actually executes and encrypts your data there are no good options like you need to be able to detect and stop it before that point. And, you know, and so we had gone from, hey, we're going to block and prevent everything to, OK, you're never going to block and prevent everything. Let's just do, you know, let's just do EDR. Like, you know, we just need to detect and respond faster. Yeah. And that's still valid for a lot of threats. But for ransomware, it's like, no, you kind of do need to prevent it. And and because of the way ransomware works now, that I guess that does fall into the spectrum of detect and respond. It's just that, you know, the ransomware, the, the threat actors are generally in your network 
for some period of time so they can exfiltrate data so that they can use it for double extortion. So there are there there are many stages of the ransomware campaign that occur before the actual execution of the encryption. Um, and we need to be able to stop it there. Yeah, but it, it's I mean, it's hard because. Like you said, it used to be a consumer problem and we now live in a scenario in which time to exploitation can be less than two hours. And, and, and there is a there's a brilliant site, DFIR report, where they actually share real IR cases from from investigations and they've done a ton in ransomware. And there were some ransomware operations in which from initial entry to escalation of privileges and lateral movement and exfil of data and the deployment of you know encryption in the environment was hours and that's frightening to think that actually not only can you encrypt my entire environment but you can exfil all my data in that level of time means that and this comes back to our first point which is we now have a need from our security solutions to be able to identify you know, specific artifacts in my environment that may lead to, or that may point to the fact that we have adversaries in the, in the network, and you've got to do it in double time. Uh, so there are, of course, still the, the kind of really long, long ones. I, I did a, I did an IR case um, a couple of months back, and it turned out the adversaries were in the network for seven years. So you still get, yeah, it was crazy because it was crazy because I remember getting called into that particular case, and they're like. Hey, um, yeah, we're seeing some anomalous behavior. And funny enough, it was like, oh, yeah, well, look, we found the adversaries and actually it was a nation state, but it was like, yeah, they've been here for five years. And then as we began to dig down even deeper, it was like, well, actually, no, it's seven years. And the, they, they got so complacent that they just didn't even hide their tracks anymore. And the persistence, and they've maintained so many different persistence within the environment that it took about three months to kind of take the bad guys out of the network or bad girls out of the network. So, yeah, I think, look, companies have to deal with all of the above from, from the kind of rapid es escalation of, of the attack to, yeah, we'll just be here for years and just slowly siphon data out of your network. And, and, and that's, that's, that's the reality of the world we live in, which is why just having a APP, solely an EPP, I think is no longer the, the viable approach. Actually, you've got to look at it more broadly. Um, when you talk about the, the, the rapid escalation, one of the things that occurs to me, and I don't know that this is true, but I wonder if there's like a uh, an element of um, basically like the you know access brokers you know cuz you know ransomware has become it, it's it's a it's a whole ecosystem now you know so there you know there are side companies it's a whole it's a whole business environment so you know there are there are threat actors who literally just figure out how to infiltrate networks maybe do the reconnaissance part up front and then they're selling that to someone else so now when i use ransomware as a service to get into that environment i can escalate faster because someone else has already done the legwork for me to tell me, okay, here's where the servers are, here's where the data is, you know, just go in, grab it, encrypt, and get out. Um, and, and like I said, that that's pure, I, I'm, that's conjecture on my part. I'm just theorizing. No, I think it's it's, it's viable. I mean, well, what's interesting was because when when Gand Crab came out, I think it was like 2016, we, we we were afforded visibility into their environment, and 
you know, we actually saw because the way that they actually accounted the affiliate. So, so what would happen is the affiliate would then be the person carrying out the attack and they would then track the affiliates based upon um, the number of infections they had and then paid them accordingly. And we could see or, or rather it intimated to us that there was sub affiliates that were also being part and used as part of the attack. And of course, a lot of these affiliates will then go out and buy like like buy RDP access from RDP shops. And so, yeah, it is a very, very fluid environment. And, you know, affiliates will jump between between different ransomware groups. In fact, GANCRAB was a great case in point at 5.4, um, version 5.4, a lot of the affiliates kind of dropped off and we were like, well, oh, okay, what's going on? Why has the number of affiliates for GANCRAB disappeared? I think this was March and then around April, they kind of said, yeah, we're retiring. We made $2 billion and we're off into the sunset. And then we kind of relaxed and said, oh, great. Okay, the number one ransomware group have gone. And then lo and behold, three months later, Soda Nikibi appeared and guess what? Like a lot of the affiliates that jumped from 5.4 moved, moved to Soda Nikibi. So like it is a really kind of fluid environment. And that's the reality is, is I remember I wrote a paper in 2012 or 2013 and in the in the in it was about cybercrime as a service. And I kind of said, hey, look, this thing about cybercrime as a service is made is a major issue we need to be concerned about. And um, Trolls Orting, who was head of uh, EC3 at the time, said, uh, you don't require technical skills anymore. You just need a means to pay. And actually, funny enough, like nine years fast forward, that that report was just kind of like, it's exactly what's happening. So it, it, it's, it is fascinating. And actually, that's what I mean. Like, this is such a great industry to be in because it's so intellectually challenging. And you have an adversary or group of adversaries that are always pushing your intellectual capacity. And that's, that's a really... Um, remarkable industry to be in, I think. Um, one, one, I guess, you know, kind of a final thing. You know, start, start, starting to wrap things up. But um, you, it, Black Hat is going on right now. Neither of us are there. Um, uh, I, I actually was invited to go, but uh, declined <laughs> because I have a, uh, I have a. Uh, hiking trip to Yosemite coming up. And I was like, yeah, I don't really want to get COVID right now. I'm, I'm good. Um, I mean, I, I would love to be there. I, 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 I missed the events. Uh, I actually like Las Vegas. Uh, and uh, so I, I kind of wish I was there. But um, yesterday at Black Hat, um, a you know, coalition of companies of which Rapid7 is part uh, announced the uh, open Cybersecurity Schema Framework, OCSF, um, which I, I wrote a thing yesterday on a, 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 for in for Forbes. Um, I think that's really cool. Are you familiar with OCSF? Well, I wasn't involved in that, but what I will tell you is, and, and actually pretty much the main reason that I came to Rapid7 is because of Rapid7's commitment to the industry. Like, like I have never known a company to be so open and welcoming and so supportive of the industry. Like for example, you know, you, like I mentioned Metasploit Framework, but Metasploit Framework is is within Rapid7. Velociraptor, for example, you know, the the, the DFIR tool, tool of choice, which basically is provided free to the community, is here. Project Sonar, you know, is here, and and Heisenberg, the honeypots, the open data, like 
the ransomware task force. And actually, just two weeks ago, like, you know, Rapid7 is a member of No More Ransom. So, like, honestly, it is it is a cybersecurity company for the cybersecurity industry, for cybersecurity professionals. And that genuinely, like, that's not me just kind of, <laughs> there's nobody standing behind me. I think you could confirm that. But there's nobody standing behind me forcing me to say that. Like, that genuinely is the reason I came here because it was like, well, like, yeah, like Metasploit, how awesome is that? Or, or Velociraptor, how was, or Attacker KB, for example. Or, you know, there's so many different community projects that it does. And, and, and again, I think this is just yet another example of, of the type of company that it is. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I agree with that. And I, and I mean, I think, and I've said for a while, I think you know, more more companies should be that way. So, so OCSF is, you know, basically a, 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 you know, for those who don't know, uh, you know, a project to normalize data between tools, you know, to ba basically get, you know, have a, have a common language, which I think would be hugely helpful yeah. and help streamline security because, you know, one of the problems is, you know, you, you, you've got this vulnerability management tool, you've got this endpoint protection tool, you've got this firewall, and they're all looking at kind of the same traffic but calling things different things. And so then you look at your reports and you're like, well, you know, now I have to try to manually kind of merge these together and figure out, you know, how, how does this, how does this all connect? Um, and if everyone would use the same language, it would, you know, obviously greatly streamline that process. You'd be like, all right, well, we're all, we're all talking about the same thing. And beyond OCSF, you know, I've said, also said for a, a number of years, I think there just needs to be more, basic information sharing and it has definitely improved and i know there are you know industry level isacs and you know and and there 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 are you know it, it has gotten better but i you know my my perspective is projects like this where you've got rapid 7 you know with cloudflare with crowdstrike with uh octo with palo alto networks you know all of these companies coming together to 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 do this thing to normalize you know to to create a framework to normalize data that's great there should also be you know similar initiatives to share data and 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 and, and you know my perspective on that is don't i don't think threat intelligence should be the thing that you monetize like, you know, like you, you can, you can add your value above that, you know, like you, you, you sh share the information so that everyone in the world knows what you're seeing so that we are, you know, so that you're, you're contributing to the greater good of rather than, rather than holding information as proprietary and being like, okay, well, only our customers get to know about this threat. Um, like, no, share that information. And then provide value on top of that. You know, find find some other way to distinguish yourself from your competitors, but the basic information should be out there for everyone. Well, I mean, that's that's our competition, and, and I, you've heard me say this for years, where people say, "Well, you know, your competitors are company A, company B," and I'm like, "Well, no, my 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 competitors are Conti and Soda Nakibi, or you know, the Mustang Panda Group, or you know, like etc. 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 They're the ones that we are." collectively up against and and whatever we can do whatever we can do individually but also collectively to try to reduce or limit the impact of this i mean 
We live in a world in which hospitals are being held hostage. So that's the reality of the world that we live in. And hey, guess what? If we continue down the same path, more hospitals will be held hostage. Or the next time you want to go out and take your family out, there will be your car holding you ransom, saying, I'm not refused to go unless you give me X, Y, Z in cryptocurrency. So that's the, that's the challenge that we face. And we, we work in an industry which is, honestly, it's such a, and I, I love cybersecurity. Like I could have been a, a soccer player or a football player and people said, you must be disappointed you never made it. And I'm like, I prefer what I do. Like I genuinely prefer what I do. So yeah, I could not agree more. And hence that's why, you know, I was behind No More Ransom and, 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 um, and, and other initiatives as well. Yeah. Well, uh, cause I, uh, kudos, kudos to rapid seven, kudos to you. I, and, and, you know, I think again, you know, th those cooperative efforts, I think are, you know, need to be kind of the foundation of what we do. And then, you know, again, there are, there are different features, different ways that you, you know, you know, take action on that, on that information or whatever that you can distinguish yourself from, uh, you know, other vendors and, 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 and monetize there. But, uh, but yeah, I think the, the, the industry as a whole should have that perspective that, you know, the, the other vendor isn't your co competition per se. Like the competition are the cyber, the, the, the cyber criminals, the threat actors, the nation states, and that we're all on the same team trying to defend against that. And if you notice, we didn't we didn't use the word hackers in a negative sense as well, which is which is <laughs> which is something that drives me nuts. So they're criminals. That's what they do. Hackers are completely different other terminology. So yes, thank you, Tony. I I, I could not agree more. Well, um, I want to thank you for taking the time to join me. Um, for what it's worth, I you know I, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell where we're going to be at. Who knows? We could be knee deep in 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 the monkey bo monkeypox pandemic by then. But I do plan to be at RSA in April. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. No. No. Me too. And, and actually, like you, know, I'm gutted I couldn't make it out to Vegas. Um, you know, I did RSA this year after years, and it, honestly, it was just so wonderful to see old friends again. Like it was. Like I, I'm really happy I went. And unfortunately, the timing just didn't work for me to come out to Vegas, but I, I'm definitely planning to make it next year. All right. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. I appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast, but I also invite you to engage on social media. Uh, please go like our Facebook page and follow at Techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like, let me know what you don't like, let me know if you love it, let me know if it sucks, and uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, questions you'd like to see answered in future posts.